The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at www.christbaptistmokopani.com. And I begin with introduction because uh, when Pastor Lucas mentioned that we are going through a series here, um, Family Goes Way, um, I got excited because it is a, a part of my ministry, as he mentioned, uh, uh, in biblical counseling. And um, that is a very book that uh, I've read several times, and um, I've sat under the, the author of that very book um, in instruction. I'm not necessarily going to be talking about the book as much, but I'll be talking to you about God's word, because that's where we, we are. And so we want, because we've been discussing about family, um, uh, looking in the book of Ephesians, uh, right from uh, chapter 5, uh, you looked from verse 18, where the Bible actually commands us uh, to be filled with the Spirit. And after that, the Bible now shows the result of being filled with the Spirit um, from verse 19, verse 20, verse uh, 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 up to that very point, the results of being filled with the Holy Spirit, singing um, uh, songs of praise uh, and so on, all that comes with that. And when it comes to the last part of it, it's, it talks about submission. Uh, so that comes together to see that it is only through the help of the Holy Spirit we will be able to submit to one another as believers. So, and then he's talked about the different roles in marriage, looking at um, uh, from verse 23, submission of, uh, of wives to their husbands, and then, and then verse 25, he's talked about husbands loving um, uh, their wives, and then chapter 6, he's talking about um, children submitting to obeying their parents and honoring them, uh, and then verse 4, he's talking about uh, parents not um, provoking their children uh, to anger, and then he goes down, uh, going to verse 6, going to verse 9 there, he's addressing um, now employees and employer. And so, it's just letting you know that the letter is, has been addressed to believers. And so, when you are a Christian, um, those are some of the elements that will happen. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, filled by His Spirit, you will be enabled to produce the fruit that the Spirit calls us on, and then you will be enabled even to submit to one another. And so out of that is where we want to talk about communication. Because as we'll be seeing later on in that very chapter, chapter 4, that's where we'll be uh, this morning, to just look at communication, because that's very key in our relationship to one another. So, um, so we'll carry on here, um, just hoping that uh, it, uh, the machine will respond quickly here, so that I don't uh, take your time. I think it's just uh, um, uh, just looking at the issue of communication. Um, it is very important, first of all, to see um, what needs to to be done. Communication, as you note there, is very critical in marriage and family. Why? It's because both good companionship and uh, um, good companionship and to effective conflict resolution, you need to have really good communication in your relationship to one another. 
Okay, as you are told, it will be on, on, the hand, on, on the PowerPoint there, so you can take notes where you can. And then companionship here, because that is key here. Companionship is self-disclosure, uh, uh, which is very essential for friendship. When you are living together as people in a relationship, we need to realize it's very important. If you are actually going to have really intimate relationship with one another, with friends, there must be that clear, good communication. Now, the quote here is coming from one of the books written by Jay Adams, Solving um, uh, Marriage Problems. In addressing that particular area of companionship, he points out taking us to the book of Genesis. When we are reading the book of Genesis, we are seeing Adam and Eve, they lived together in close relationship until sin came in. When sin came in, what happened? They started actually hiding from God because of shame. And when that happened, not just hiding from God, they started actually hiding from each other. Just to say, when there is sin between people, relationship will be affected. Even in our marital relationship, when there is sin involved in my life or affecting my life, it will affect my relationship. Because the thing is that I'm trying to hide something or run from something. And as such, a relationship is affected. That is what happened with Adam and Eve. Between their relationship with God, when they sinned, they started running away from God. Relationship was affected in that sense. And then not only that, relationship between the two of them also got affected. So it's just to realize that if we are not very careful in our, in our relationship together, how we live with God, this could happen uh, easily in our, our lives. Not only that, we need to note this. This is like a small seminar, as uh, Lucas has put it. What happens when spouses don't communicate effectively? Okay? This is what will happen. Okay? Relationship becomes superficial. That is just the conclusion of that. Boredom sets in. Your relationship with one another, between husband and wife, things are not just going to be working okay. Even between parents and uh, children. Not only, only that wise decision making is thwarted. You have issues, decisions that have been hanging forever. They get affected. Nothing is happening. Okay, issues remain unclarified. Those problems cannot be solved. Maybe when you are here this morning as a couple, you've been living together with the issues that you have not wanted to confront. They are there, you know, weighing on you. You are even afraid to confront those issues. You need to realize that's what happens when there's no good communication. Wrong thinking is also uncorrected. One is thinking this or is making this type of conclusion while the other one is totally making a different conclusion. So that affects also your relationship when you are thinking different. And that's why you'll find even people coming to a point of thinking, okay, I'm busy thinking about divorcing my wife, and for her she's like, ah, I love my husband, things are doing okay. So if you are not communicating, those things are left uncorrected. We need to consider that. Disagreements turn into conflicts. Those small things that actually are supposed to be dealt with easily, they turn into conflict. 
At the end of the day, you don't want even to see each other uh, face, uh, face to face. So those are uh, some of these things that normally come with the, with the uh, poor communication. Conflict remains uh, unresolved. Still on that introduction, what communi good communication does. Good communication in the Christian life does not happen automatically. That's also one thing we just need to realize. It doesn't just happen. And so sometimes, actually, people, as we are seated here, we think communication will just happen. No, we need to realize communication is something you work on every day. You have to work on. You have to be intentional in your communication. So neither is the Christian life immune from problems. This Christian life we live in as believers, though you are saved by grace of God, you are a believer, it doesn't mean that you will never experience troubles, problems in this world. We live in a fallen world, and therefore there are forces from the enemy. There is also your own flesh, the, the world that we live in, that affects you. And therefore you need to realize you are living in a fallen world. Yes, you are a believer also, but there are continuous battles within you. This is because you and your spouse live in the fallen world. I've just said that. In that understanding, it's very important. Because you and your spouse are finite with sinful hearts. That's why we are what we are. And that's why we need to be communicating to deal with this. Because your heart has various cravings and desires and conflict. Your heart, even this morning, is busy desiring something. And because you are desiring that, when your spouse tells you, no, I can't give you that, you start fighting because someone is coming in your way. And that's how conflict comes. Good communication and loving relationship can be built by believers who are committed to being God's kind of believers he has called them to be. That's what we are to realize. If you take um, to heart biblical principles of communication, you will improve in your relationship. That's one thing just to remind ourselves even as we do this introduction. But you must also be sincere in your desire to do the things of God. It is not just about, okay, I'm thinking about it. The issue is I want to be intentional in what um, I'm doing. So what is the definition of communication? Okay, we find this in the very book you've been studying through, Family Goes Way. And when Mark has given us a very good definition here that I want us to look at, the definition here is the process of sharing information with another person in such a way that the sender's message is understood in a way he in intended it to be understood. And, and you can see that is quoted directly from your family goes away. So when we are communicating, we are not just saying words. We want to make sure that what I have said, my fellow understand clearly what I meant. Not only that, it's a process of sharing information with another person in such a way that the people involved are actually mutually uh, strengthened, enriched, and encouraged. That is also the intention. And we are going to be seeing that in a, in a, few, in a few minutes. Again, important to know there are two types of communication. Very, very key for us to realize that there is the non-verbal communication. Okay? You need to realize whether you like it or not, if you are not verbalizing, you are actually communicating non-verbally. 
Remember that every time. How do you know that? The way you look or you don't look at each other. You're already communicating. You're sending a message. You're either saying I love you or not. You're saying I'm suspicious of you. Okay? Even as I look at you in this, there are different ways of I can see you are communicating to me. You are sending a message and I look and say, okay, what are they really telling me? Okay? Your body, facial expression, the way we dress, communicates. The way we sit or stand, communicates. The way we laugh and what we laugh at is always sending a message. Please remember that. When you leave your house in the morning dressed up, it is not that you just woke up, you're going. At the back of your mind, you are saying something, and especially for our dear sisters. You are sending a message, you want to say, okay, how will I be attractive, okay, to my husband or to whoever, okay, so there is always that happening. But one thing we need to realize, non-verbal communication can easily be misunderstood. And that's why we have to be very discerning not to rush into making conclusions. Because that's the big problem when we just look at people and you say, okay, because the person is dressing like this, this is what the person meant. It is not always true. And that's why we need to be very careful in interpreting nonverbal communication. Even in our relationship with one another, in our marriage, Sometimes things happen, you are read, misreading one another, okay? The way food was served, it can turn up into something else, <laughs> okay? Because you are reading things every time, so you are communicating every time. The other part of communication is what is normal verbal communication. Our focus will be on this particular communication this morning. I'm not going to, to address a non-verbal communication. So small talk is a problem in verbal communication. That's what you find in the book. And so you'll see that word deficit. We are saying very few topic avoidance. When someone is saying this, you avoid the topic. You don't want to address that particular issue. And so that in itself can be a problem in deficiency in sharing and then appreciation deficit, um, which again we'll be seeing in those, in those few verses. So it's just very important to remember that communication is there. God has actually given us the ability to talk. Okay? He's given us this mouth for the purpose of communicating. And it's not just to say words, but again, it's to be intentional to really see that we are building up each other in our communication. So... So let me just, because we are going to be looking at the book of Ephesians, uh, please if you can just turn with me there, chapter 4, uh, just rushed through quickly with the introduction, laying that uh, foundation. We are, looking, we are going to be looking at Ephesians um, chapter 4. And our concentration will be on verse 25 to the end of that chapter. But just to give you the setting of the book I think maybe, I don't know whether Lucas had done this already, but just we need to realize Ephesians was written to remind believers of their immeasurable blessings in Christ. That's why in chapter 1, Paul repeats there by saying, in Christ, in Christ, chapter 1. So he is writing to remind believers, Ephesians believers, then 
and now for us who live today. Okay? To really know what we have in Jesus Christ and how we need to live worthy the blessings Christ has given to us. And that's why it's very, very important when you're studying the book to see, okay, why was it written? And so there is that very uh, purpose. The division of this book is divided in two parts. The first part is what we'll consider to be more theological. Three chapters addressing this, who we are in Christ. So when you are reading those three chapters, they are actually communicating and reminding us, okay, this is what we have in Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace. We have all these blessings in Jesus Christ. And then part two, he is talking about now our practical life. How do you then live that truth you know? You as CBC Mukopane, you have been sitting here under the teaching of God's word. You've been hearing God's word coming to you, preached to you in this very pulpit. How is it affecting your daily walk? You have been reading the Bible, okay? You have that very theology that you have. How is it affecting your daily walk? That's very, very important. So that's why Paul is writing this to, read, to let these believers know this is what you actually have in Jesus Christ. So not only that, in the second half of the book, Paul discusses various relationships. Okay? And that is what I began with introduction. Okay, what are these relationships that Paul is addressing? We see already in chapter 5, verse verse 22, he speaks to wives. If you read that particular verse, Paul is specifically talking to wives in the home, which comes with submission. And then in verse 25, he speaks to husbands. God's word is addressing husbands. You have heard that in the first series. And then chapter 6, he speaks to children. So if you are here, you are thinking, no, I'm not a, a, a wife, I'm not a husband, but you are a child. Okay, if you are here, if you are still in that stage, please take that and see that you are not left out. Okay, that is what Paul, because all of those people were actually inside the church. Now, you might say, okay, maybe I'm not married, or I'm, 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 so I'm not a wife, or I'm not a husband, I'm just a single someone. Even with that, Paul is actually bringing, the scripture is addressing all of us in that sense of communication. Chapter uh, verse 4, he speaks to parents, and so if you are here as parents, realize you are not left out. The Bible is addressing you. Verse 5, if you thought, okay, now I'm not even a parent, I'm not none of those. Maybe you are here, you are uh, an employee, you have been employed somewhere, okay? So the Bible speaks to you as well. Employers who are here are employing people in your own homes. May be it people who are just working for you in your company or of those nanas in your home. Those are people who are actually working for you. So the Bible is actually addressing all of us in this book. And that's why we cannot really uh, run out of it. So you see, all of that has to do with relationships. How people live together. How do you live together with your employees? How do parents and the children live together in their home households. How do husband and wife live together? Okay, all of that the Bible addresses in this particular book of Ephesians. 
It is clear Paul is concerned about the basic human relationship that Christians as well as other men must sustain as we, we live together. So the preceding context of this very book we see in verse 17, I just read, I'll read for us this verse. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Very, very important caution there. Paul is writing to remind these Ephesians believers, at one point you were futile in your mind. You walked like pagans who are out there, unbelievers. That is the word here. So the word used here, Gentile, refers to unbelievers. So he's saying, okay, at one point that was your life. But something happened, and we'll see that in a few minutes. And then verse 4 begins, just going back to chapter, chapter 4, verse 1. Let, let, let us read there. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. They have received Christ who lives in them. And now he says, look here, do the walking. I urge you to walk. Okay? So that verb, walk, is very, very key in this portion of the Bible. Don't take it for granted. And the, the verb, walk, is not just, okay, I'm walking, I'm going to church. It actually means to, to conduct yourself, to live according. And that's why Paul is saying, okay, now that you have received Christ, Jesus loves in you, lives in you, I'm calling upon you to walk worthy the calling you have received. So that is what comes in that verse. Walk no longer as Gentiles. I've just read that. You are a believer in Jesus Christ. Are you saved? Are you changed by him? Then walk as a Christian, not as a non-Christian. Walk in love. Conduct yourself in love. Just as God has loved us in Christ, that is what believers are supposed to do among themselves, one another, in their home, households, forgiving each other, parents with children, husband and wife, loving each other as Christ loved the church. Walk in light. He brings that in chapter, chapter 5. You are to walk in light. You are no longer in the dark. Darkness here refers to your sinful lifestyle that you were in before Christ changed you. And so he says, walk in light. Verse 15, walk wisely. Uh, please remember this. I, I would like to read that verse. Look, uh, look, uh, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Believers, please, let us walk wisely. Let us not walk blindly in this fallen world. And he goes on to say, making the best of time because days are evil. They forget to understand what the will of God is. Do not be foolish Christians. Be wise in the manner you conduct yourself in this fallen world. Know who you are. Know what Christ has done for you. And live, exemplify that in your life. How is a believer to grow in the personal, in the, in, in the personal relationship? There is the issue of communication. That's why this is coming from. Communication. Spouse relationship is impossible from, apart from good communication. 
A healthy relationship between parents and children depends on good communication. To get along, employer-employee must learn to communicate well. Having set the background that you are a believer, you are once darkness, but now you are a light. Christ lives in you. You no longer walk in darkness. You are walking wisely. So you take care of your words, how you communicate. That's what Paul brings to us here. So we'll look quickly here, four principles of communication. How does God want us to communicate? Verse 25, where I pointed out. You want to communicate, first of all, by being honest. I'll read verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Who could be your neighbor here? This could be your children. This could be your husband. This could be your wife. This could be your employer. This could be your employee. This could be the person seated next to you. Could be your friend. Could be your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Could be your parents. Could be your children. Okay? Speak truth with his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. That is scripture. That's what just come from that very verse. Therefore, the conjunction therefore there is taking you back to what has just taken place in your life. And that's why I gave you that setting in the beginning. Therefore, because you are a believer, changed by Jesus Christ, therefore, this should not be your practice. Lying, for example. And so we are commanded to be honest, the opposite of lying. Okay? We are to speak. Speak here, again, is a, a command. People cannot read your mind. Okay? That's why you're commanded to speak. Okay? Talk. Speak to one another out of love. Be honest. Because no one will get to know what is happening, going on in your mind. I know there is non-verbal communication, and I showed you the danger of non-verbal communication. People keep on guessing and wondering what is going on in your mind. And that's why even in marriage relationships, if you are not talking to one another, how will they know? How will your spouse know what you are thinking about? So it gets very difficult. Difficult. Climbing up is out of the Christian. Speak truth. So you are not just commanded to talk. You are commanded to talk truth. Speak truth. Speaking truth is a verb that involves continuous action. Okay? Which means even when you are in those difficult moments, you are to communicate what? Truth. Because at those moments when you are under pressure, something is happening, and you think, okay, let me turn around my words so that I get out of this trouble. Lying to get out of the problem. The Bible tells you as a Christian, stay continuously, speak truth. That's what you are told. It is to be your new lifestyle in your relationship according to this verse. And we see David says you must speak the truth from a heart of integrity. That's what David actually prays in Psalm 15. Guard my heart from deceitfulness. Okay? I want to speak truth here. 
example of the way you must be honest in your speech. Dishonest. This is what you see there. Outed lies, a deliberate lie, denial of truth sometimes where people are just like that. Uh, inconsistency with your, your nonverbal communication and all that comes with that. All of that, that's what you find that happening with the people. And for us who are Christians, we want to say, okay, I don't want to be this type of a person. Playing around with the words, deceiving people. As Paul says here, having put away falsehood, let, uh, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor as we are members. So don't destroy your neighbor by lying, by turning things around. Be considerate. Speak truth lovingly. You know, sometimes we are there and we say, yes, the Bible has commanded me to speak truth, but the problem, the way we convey truth could also hurt your neighbor. And therefore we need to be careful with that. So sometimes it can be brutal with the truth, and we don't want to see that we are actually destroying one another, you know, especially bringing this when it's not necessary. So it's important also to ask yourself a question. When I'm actually communicating or conveying this truth, this truth to my spouse or to my children, am I doing it in a loving way? If you speak the truth in spite of anger, you know, sometimes you are really boiling and you just come and lash out the other person. You even don't care how the other person will be affected by what you say. If you speak without forethought concerning the person you are speaking to or about, we need to every time remember there is this person created also in the image of God. If I'm going to address this person in a certain way, this may be what I'm going to say, though it may be truth now, it might crush this person at the moment. Is this the right time to say this? That's where now wisdom comes in. I, you are to speak the truth with the other person's best in, interest in mind. Speak clearly enough to be understood, but gently enough to be helpful. You get that? Okay? Truth clearly to be understood but gently enough to see that I'm helping the next person to the next person. That's, that's what communication comes of, because we are Christians, and that is what we are to be reminded of this. Keep current. Here, be angry and do not sin. That's what we see in verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the, the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Okay, that is just, just a reminder here. This comes with the moments when people um, get angry over some things and then they keep, keep on boiling within themselves. All anger is not sin, self-centered is. Anger is in it to be used to solve problems and not to destroy the other person. So uh, failure to solve each day's problems that very day means the following, guilt of sin, opening the way to resentment and bitterness, distorting subsequent problems. So that's what happened when you are not communicating. There are sometimes things come and then you are offended, so you keep on boiling. You don't want to sit down. You keep on banking. And then one day, when you have come to the limits, you explode like a volcanic mountain. And when that happens, you hurt people around you 
because volcanic mountain doesn't just leave people untouched. And that's why you need to realize, let me know when to bring this so that I'm just not just covering and hiding things, keeping anger, dealing with issues as they come, but in a loving way. Endangering your physical relationship, you don't want to do that. Even in marriages where uh, couples have come to a, a point of uh, physical abuse, that's why you hear uh, a lot of things happening in, in many marriages where people have actually killed each other because of keeping anger for, in for a very long time. So just quick questions to ask before you bring up a stick issue uh, to the next person. Do I have the facts right? Because in Proverbs 18 verse 13, it is telling us whoever gives an answer before he hears, it is folly to him. I don't want to rush just by providing answers. Okay, should love hide this particular thing? Sometimes, brothers and sisters, even in marriage relationship, we sin against each other. There are things that are there. Um, she overlooks a lot some of the many mistakes I do, and I do the same. But if I'm this type of husband who is just following after everything, petty, petty things, why do you do this? It can make your marriage miserable, even with our relationship uh, with one another and the children. So sometimes love may cover a multitude of sins. But if you notice something in your relationship is actually hindering your growth, you need to address it. It is my timing right. Sometimes you may have something, but the timing may not be the best. Is my attitude right? When I'm approaching my fellow, am I approaching this fellow with a goal of just wanting to condemn, judge, and say you are useless, I'm out to bring you down? If that's your motive, sit back. If that's your attitude, sit back and make it right with your God before you confront your fellow. Are my words loving? When I'm going to be addressing this particular issue, are my words really loving or I'm just boiling with anger and my God is really to bring this character down? Very, very important to consider uh, that. Have I prayed for God's help in this particular issue? Okay? It's very important also just when we issues are coming up that you realize they're affecting your relationship. So attack the problem not the person. And that's what we see Paul saying, verse, uh, verse 29, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. You hear that? That verse is loaded. And you see there, the Bible is telling us, avoid unwholesome words that will bring down the other person. Attack a person's character, name-calling, is what the Bible discourages. Okay? Tear down, rip apart, or hinder growth. Those are the words that actually the Bible is speaking against. Cloud or bypass the problem. And sometimes I know even us as parents, we have also to be very careful when we are helping even dealing with our children in disciplining them. Sometimes we find parents will be very, very, uh, very bitter with their children, even calling them demons. And a child will come out, Mom, am I a demon? Do I look like one? As I, I talk to you, there's a time when a child came to me asking me, 
whether she was a demon. And I asked her why. It's because the mother kept on calling her demon whenever she did wrong, she went wrong. So we need to be very careful with the words we bring out because what you are actually proclaiming out actually it shapes people's future. We need to be very careful, and that's what Proverbs tells us. War cautions against against such such language. Grieve the Holy Spirit. We need to be very careful with those words that grieve the Holy Spirit. We, rather, we need to be speaking words that are edifying. These are the words that focus on the problem. They are a true and produce faith or growth. They are selected in order to make easy for two people to find solution. Okay? They are always they always have a person's welfare in mind, and that's why we'll see in in the later verse here as we come to our, to our close. I agree to disagree uh, with your fellow. Those things happen. And then last part here is verse 30, 31 to the end. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, slander be put away from you along with all malice. So that is what you are supposed to put off. And then he tells us, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Quickly, that is what we see. Reactions to the problem. Bitterness. You don't want that. Okay? That's what you are to put off. Put off wrath. Put off anger. Put off clamor. Okay? As you see the definition of that. Bitterness here is perpetual animosity that leads to harsh and unloving opinions about others. Is that your heart condition? Are you a bitter someone? You need to repent of that if that is you. Wrath, that is coming, flaring outburst of anger where you throw even cups. Sometimes even people throw things at the wall or at each other. Anger, settled indignation of, or hostility. Clamor here, outcry, shouting, public quarreling. I think you've heard that from your neighbors. You don't want to be like them. You are a Christian. Your approach should be different to this. Slander, speaking evil of another. Okay, you are going out even talking against, uh, behind your spouse, telling people about how bad he or she, she is, and the children the same, even bringing that uh, division in the family. Malice, a general wishing of ill will toward another. You are actually wishing that this person was dead. I've had such kind of instances, even children coming saying, I wish my, my father was dead. That's not right. Actions to put on. So those are the actions to put off, but this is what you need to put, to put on. Be kind, useful, worth, good, benevolent towards your fellow. That is kindness according to verse 30, uh, 30, 32. Tender heart. Okay, that is what we see there. Having a health bowels in the Bible, they are the seat of emotions and intention. Therefore, it means being compassionate to your spouse, your fellow. Forgiving. This is very key in our communication. To exercise grace in releasing the offense of the other. That's how we come in. We have offended each other. We've sinned against each other. Let us ask the Lord to help us in forgiveness. My brothers and sisters, this is what we find in this very portion of Scripture. There is more that can come with this, but there is no need for me to keep on and adding more because I know our time is over here. But it's just to say, the Lord is so gracious, He's given us new life. As believers, we are to find best ways on how we can communicate 
and edify one another in our relationship. At home, at work. I know we also live in the world that we have, even in our own families, we have non-believers. Even in our working place, we have non-believers there as well. But as for you as a Christian, the Lord tells you you are responsible with your words. Are your words building other people up? When they see you, do they just like, okay, I don't want to hear that again. Let us learn to communicate effectively by not just saying words, but ministering to one another as believers, because that is our goal. Let us pray together. Our loving Savior, we thank you this morning for your word just reminded us the importance of communication. I know this was a quick presentation, rushing through things, but I want to pray that your spirit will continue communicating this truth to your people so that they will be reminded you've given them new life in Christ. And this new life in Christ comes with the responsibility of representing Christ, living worthy the calling we have received, to allow your spirit to continue transforming us, even in our own communication. Lord, forgive us where we fall short, even in our communication. We even tend to fail in forgiving each other. We even get to be very rough with our words. We have discouraged others instead of edifying them. And so, Lord, we pray as a church, we'll carry this truth at home, even this afternoon, as we go through the week, that we'll be keen to know the Spirit who lives in us reminds us to care for each other, and even in the manner we communicate. Help us to be honest with one another, and not to speak lies, because we have been redeemed people. And when we have been tempted and have fallen in speaking lies, Lord, help us to repent and to come back to you for forgiveness because you are a forgiving Father. We appreciate you. We thank you. In Christ's name. Amen.